Hello and welcome back, all you sojourners out there on the great wide sea of humanity. I'm Sam Thayer with more on the art, science, and deeply gratifying experience of invisibility. Here Doc continues his examination of what political activity, if any, is best suited to those who've gone invisible. The struggle to expand U.S. suffrage dates from the signing of the U.S. Constitution. Right from the outset, those without property fought for the right to vote, originally restricted to men of larger means. Then it was new immigrants, women, Native Americans, freed slaves, lately black felons under the new Jim Crow. Efforts to suppress the right to vote continue to this day. Therefore, it's no surprise that proposing not to exercise one's right to vote as an act of resistance to an illegitimate system does not arouse sympathy among many people. On the contrary, it sparks outrage and passionate denunciations. How dare anyone fail to appreciate and exercise what so many have suffered and died for? How dare they help so-and-so, the candidate opposed, get elected by throwing their vote away? Non-voters, they say, are like ostriches burying their heads in the sand. It's un-American. Invisibles who practice absolute non-participation agree that the right to vote is a precious thing, not to be carelessly cast aside, and that the right to vote is not to be tampered with. They also believe that the right not to vote is equally precious when just the act of voting would violate their conscience, as they say is the case in late-stage econoculture. The single most damning symptom of an illegitimate democracy is low voter turnout. When the people say by their inaction that they no longer give it their consent. That is the message many invisibles want to send, at least those, still a minority, who practice absolute non-participation. What this means in practice is that they no longer participate directly or indirectly in the political life of what they consider a dysfunctional national government. They decline to contribute in any way to an illegitimate system that keeps calling itself a democracy despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. This non-participation extends to the vote. They believe the very real importance of the right to vote has been offered as proof of democracy 
when in fact it is only the first baby step. Then comes concern over what we have to vote for and why we bother when it's been shown that the votes of average citizens have little or no effect whatever on government policy. The foundation of all democratic government is the consent of those governed. By withdrawing their consent and complicity, strict non-participants hope to hasten an illegitimate system's self-destructive unraveling into sheer irrelevance. Like the all-lies defense, it is, we can only hope, a temporary measure to survive and, as it turns out, in many cases, thrive once free of econoculture, whose baleful influence we may not fully appreciate until our own personal crash wakes us up. Non-participants await the greater collective crash that seems to them inevitable. What they don't know is how long it will take to get there and how much harm must befall us before that happens. Meanwhile, from what I have observed, absolute non-participation gains more adherence among invisibles with every new revelation of what's said to be our government in the joint possession of corporations, banks, hedge funds, and individual plutocrats. Absolutes tell me they are preparing thick-walled fallout shelters to shield themselves from econoculture's radiation poisoning, protection from the radiation of commercial and political white noise. Fallout shelters of the mind. Up next, shielding ourselves from overexposure to worldwide catastrophes. An introduction to attentional peripheries. For more on Going Invisible, visit howtogoinvisible.com. All one word. No spaces. <laughs>